0: So the reading is from 2 Corinthians, chapter 5, verses 1 to 10. For we know that if the earthly tent we live in is destroyed, we have a building from God, an eternal house in heaven, not built by human hands. Meanwhile, we groan, longing to be clothed instead with our heavenly dwelling, because when we are clothed, we will not be found naked. For while we are in this tent, we groan and are burdened, because we do not wish to be unclothed, but to be clothed instead with our heavenly dwelling, so that what is mortal may be swallowed up by life. Now the one who has fashioned us for this very purpose is God, who has given us the Spirit as a deposit, guaranteeing what is to come. Therefore we are always confident and know that as long as we are at home in the body, we are away from the Lord, for we live by faith,
1: Is this mic on? Oh, it is. Uh, Good afternoon. It's lovely uh, to be here. As Rob says, um, today across all our services, we're thinking about what it means to mature as a Christian, mature uh, as a church family together as we head up um, to our Vision Sunday and we think about uh, the year ahead. And so we're going to look at this passage uh, for a little while. Uh, Maturity, it's a hard thing to measure, isn't it? You always imagine by the time you get to a certain age or stage in life you'll sudden, suddenly feel mature um, do, you, do you ever have uh, have you ever had this kind of experience when I was younger I remember the feeling of being upstairs in the house and playing with friends and there'd be a crash you'd knock something over whether it was an object or a person and they'd fall with a thud in the floor and there'd be chaos all around and you'd think to yourself it's all right because one of the grown-ups who are downstairs will come up and fix it uh, they'll make everything all right and then there comes a stage in life when you realize there is no grown-ups downstairs anymore it's, it's just me i'm the grown-up now and that feeling of did they did they really know as little as i feel i know now i mean there's a question for you isn't it do you feel mature uh, many of you are much older than me and um you know rob's rob's younger but i don't know whether he feels mature or not Do you feel mature yet there's There's many delightful aspects, isn't there, of watching children grow up, and I think one of the the really special ones is seeing imagination develop, pretend play, you know that kind of thing? My little boy uh, in our house today has set up all sorts of little plastic soldiers, uh, and he he pretends all sorts of battles, he talks tactics, he celebrates his victories, and you can imagine all the other things that go on and pretend play, Uh, tea rooms that are set up, hospitals that are acted out, all the conversations that go on with it in pretend play. Yeah, with all that joy, David Gibson, uh, in his little book, Destiny, that I was reading recently, says, learning the difference between the pretend world and the real world can be confusing. We were on a holiday in France, and my little boy, who's well into his little plastic so- soldiers and um, Uh, thinking everything to do with wars and tactics i thought it'd be a good thing to take him to the d-day beaches in normandy just have a look at those he'd read about them and then we also went to one of the cemeteries there and you see all the graves lined out it's hard to take in it's a fun holiday when you come on holiday with me you take your own cemeteries but i thought it'd just be good for him much as he's excited about this pretend world i want him to have an insight into the real world and it's confusing, unsettling, isn't it? Because in real wars, it's not just plastic bodies that are knocked over. And growing up, maturing, means facing some hard realities. And yet, I suspect many people, even as we grow up, we like to live in a kind of pretend world, a make believe world, an imaginary world, where we live pretending we're building something we can always fix and will always last. That's not quite right, is it? And Paul's words here will help us as we think about that. And you hear what he's talking about as we begin. Because it's a bit of a shock, he's talking about dying. I'm going to die. It could be any time. It could be before the next time we meet. I've not had a diagnosis. I don't know that I'm ill. I hope I It won't be that soon. But I'm going to die. That's real life. And Paul talks about it in a a kind of funny way here. It wouldn't be the way we would normally talk about in that very first verse. He says this. I'll read it for you again. He says, for we know that if the earthly tent we live in is destroyed. Now, he's not really talking about camping. He's talking about dying. And I think his thought is something like this. Look, when I When I was 16, some friends and I, I grew up in Glasgow, and some friends and I decided to attempt the West Highland Way. It's a big hiking journey. It's 100 miles from Glasgow to Fort William, and then at the end of it, you climb Ben Nevis. We tried that. Day two, storms hit the west coast of Scotland. A typical summer. You can imagine it, you know, gales lashing in. And at 2 o'clock in the morning, our tent was blown down completely flattened. It was all gone. And I think that kind of thought is behind what Paul's saying here. He's saying, look, one day, one day sooner or later for all of us, a storm will hit and our bodies will not last. That's the real world. But he says, look, despite that reality, it's not that we just say, okay, that's That's the way it is. He says, despite that reality, we all long for permanence. You see verse 2? He says this, meanwhile we groan. With that reality hanging over us, meanwhile we groan, longing to be clothed instead with our heavenly dwelling. We don't like talking about death. Son number one uh, on holiday, when we got to just a normal beach to play on it, out comes the shout come and help me. And I shouted back, sure, what are you doing? And he said, I'm building a wall of sand to stop the sea knocking down our castle. Okay. And for the next half an hour, 45 minutes, we dug out sand, we built the wall, but the inevitable eventually happened. Or I heard this quote from Joan Collins, who's quoted, the actress quoted as saying, the problem with beauty the problem with beauty is that it's like being born rich and then becoming poor. I'm beginning to know how she feels. My beauty is just starting to fade away. Uh, I, showed, I showed Jack, who's my youngest son, a picture of my graduation, and he said, who's that? <laughs> and then he looked for a while, and he said, oh, it's you, Daddy. Daddy. The hair's different, <laughs> but the smile's the same. I miss my hair. <laughs> we want things to be permanent. We want things to be fixed, but with life, it flies by. I remember, do you remember back to when you started school? A packet of crisps used to cost me four pence. Can you, believe, well, you, of course, you can. most of you can believe it. Rob can't. A packet of crisps, four pence for a packet of crisps. And I remember... Early on in my primary school career, I think it was back in 1976, being asked to work out how old I would be in the year 2000. I remember doing the maths, and I discovered that I'd be 30. I still remember the feeling, thinking, I can't even imagine what that would be like to be 30 years old. And now it's a distant memory. It flies past, doesn't it? It's like, a, it's like a puff of wind. And yet, Paul says, not only do we long for permanence, not only do we long for permanence, he also says a strange thing about where it comes from, that longing. It's what he said in verse 5 of this reading. I'll read it again for you. He says this, Now, the one who has fashioned us for this very purpose is God. God's the one who's made us feel like that. Dying, we long for permanence. The reason we hate death is because it's not what we were made for. And the explanation the Bible gives for this part of our human experience is that as we've, as we've turned from God, as we've turned away from the author of life, we find he rightly, rightly takes life away from us. We sit under his judgment and faced with death, it's an unsettling reality. We sometimes choose to live in a made-up world. We try and ignore death. We We try to build permanence in other ways, through families, through legacies, through projects, through distractions. But in the end, it all goes. But the Bible says, look, God has done something about it, something that can satisfy that longing we have for permanence. He came in the person of Jesus to take the penalty for our sin and to give us the blessing of his life, an eternal life, a permanent life. And that's the thing Paul wants us to get about the permanence we long for. And it's this here's the second big thought to have permanent life is only God's gift, it can only ever be God's gift. You can't get it for grabbing it yourself. The thing we're looking for, permanence, a life you can keep. It's the second half of that first verse right at the beginning of our reading. For we know that if the earthly tent we live in is destroyed, we have a building from God, an eternal house, not built by human hands, a permanent house, a life where beauty won't fade, a building more secure than sand that won't be swept away. Paul says that kind of life is a gift from God. This is the real world you live in. And you need to think hard about it. Dying, we long for permanence. And permanent life is only a gift from God. And he's given that through the gospel of Jesus. This new life is yours if you're a Christian. A new home for you you're not moved in yet so how do we live how do we live as christians and kind of as a church family in light of these grown-up truths what does maturity begin to look like well just as we start to draw things together let, let me tell you look i think paul says in this passage maturity is shaped by a couple of things A mature life is going to be shaped in at least two ways that he mentions here. Maturity is shaped by God's promises, His Word, and by God's pleasure, the things that He really enjoys, beginning to share in those. We're looking at verses 6 to 10. Paul says, look, if permanent life, if it only comes as a gift of God through the good news about Jesus... Well, then real life, a growing, mature life, it's got to be located in Him. If real permanent life is, is something that God gives to us, if you like, if it's His possession and He gives it, to begin to experience it and grow in it and start to enjoy it, you've got to start working and going along with what God says. It's located in him. And so Paul says in verse 6, therefore we are always confident. He means in the face of death and suffering, the things that are really hard in this life. Therefore we are always confident, and we know that as long as we are at home in the body, we are away from the Lord. He's saying we know that as long as we're in this life, as long as we're in this life, we still have the reality of death. And the thing we never do is we don't pretend it isn't sad or painful. I was thinking about it. There's different stages in life, isn't there? I remember just after university, the stage of life I was at, whenever I got a phone call or an email, something like that, often it would be telling me news about an engagement or a wedding coming up. And you go forward a few years. And the emails and the phone calls that come through usually carry news about babies that are on the way and exciting. And then I've already hit the stage of life where it feels like it's coming in much closer, where the messages that come through are beginning to be of a sadder nature, of a dear friend who's ill, of somebody who we've lost. And Paul says, the thing we don't, know, as long as we live in this life, we don't pretend death isn't real and that it isn't sad or painful, and we don't cope by pretending, building a pretend world. No, he says, verse seven, we live by faith, not by sight. Not trusting in God's word. We're not in our permanent home yet, but we live life shaped by God's promises what he said to us and then down in verse 9 so we make it our goal to please him we're not in our permanent home yet but we live life shaped by God's pleasure and I think Paul there gives us a simple way of thinking about the content and the character of what it means to grow as a Christian of what it means to become mature as a church family the kind of living that reflects if if we've entered into the beginnings of this kind of life yet permanent life which God calls us to uh, we're not in our permanent home yet but did you notice the end of verse five let me just read that again Paul says this now the one who has fashioned us for this very purpose is God that's that's his longing for a permanent home to come The one who's fashioned us for that purpose is God. And then he says this, who has given us the Spirit as a deposit guaranteeing what is to come. Don't know if you enjoy the experience of of going to someone else's house, visiting someone else's house. It's nice when you make friends with people. My boys who are eight and six are beginning to discover that you've made a friend and the big treat is when you've been invited round to someone else's home and you get to see their stuff and enjoy it and there's a sense in which the bible says God through Jesus is saying I'm inviting you to come to my home one day you're going to live with me you're going to be at home with me I'm going to give you a new home to live in but this is saying as well as that God's saying before I take you to the permanent home I've made for you Now, I'll come and live temporarily in the home you've got now. I won't fix up everything. Bodies are still going to wear out. I won't fix up everything, but as I come and you listen to me, I'll give you a a real feel for what life is going to be like. And Paul says there will come a day when every life Every life will be evaluated and judged. That's what he's getting at in verse 10 when he says, For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ so that each of us may receive what is due to us for the things done while in the body, whether good or bad. And for those who have rejected God, ignored his offers of forgiveness, it will be a sad day. A sad, sad day. And the only thing that will be left if we reject God all the way to the end, will it be the prospect of being rejected by him forever? But for those who have turned and trusted Christ, there will also be a question. Yes, graciously forgiven and saved, totally secure. But how have you grown? Have you matured? We've just moved into a new home this past week looking through a few things and in the garage there's a garage there I found a door it didn't seem to be from anything in the house just a door left in the garage there's no space in the house for the door to be fitted it doesn't look like it's been removed from it anywhere and I thought why someone left the door here and then I looked at it more carefully and I noticed on the door there was little lines etched in it going up and beside the lines there was little dates recorded And beside the dates, there was little initials, I assume for names, and I realized what it was. It wasn't a door any longer. It was something much more fabulous. It was a glorious means of measuring and marking growth. Can you remember that? Back to when you were younger, that feeling of, I just want to be a little bit bigger Standing on uh, tiptoes, maybe want to reach, reaching up to an older sibling or something like that. Am I bigger yet? I look bigger. I feel bigger. Wanting to grow into an adult world in some way. And Paul here gives us a way of measuring growth as a Christian, as a church family, and he says, "Are we living shaped by God's word? And are we living directed towards God's pleasure?" Throughout the week, how does it work for you? Do you you take time to listen to what God's Word says? Do you come on Sundays? And then during the week, opening the Bible and reading it. Throughout the week, as you make your decisions, are you thinking, would this please God? If you were to measure yourself over the past year, have you grown at all? maybe not in height, maybe it started to go the other way, maybe you feel you've got a bit smaller. In terms of a Christian maturing, has there been another inch, a centimeter? You've gone up a little bit. Thank you, Lord, you've helped me with that. As we draw these things together, let me give you some things to think about. Some ambitions for us as a church, mature activities to grow in, I think as a church family, we want everyone to be able to read the Bible and pray in a Christ-centered way for themselves and with others. Are you keeping up with that? Are you making time to do that? Have you got notes maybe that help you read the Bible? Did you get along to another group as well as Sundays just so you can read God's Word and talk about it with friends and be encouraged and grow? And here's another thing as a church family, as we mature, I think we want everyone to give and serve in a Christ-centered way. And you might think, I'm not sure there's much I can do. Look, it's one of the reasons why to help our maturity as a church family, we're often saying to people, and just at the very least asking the question, have you thought about a way you could serve here and join with others in contributing to other needs? I think two of the things we're tempted to hold too tightly is our time and our money. Look, I'm Scottish. You can tell by the accent. And I've got a congenital condition that makes any time money is mentioned, I feel my insides tensing and I nervously look around to see where I've left my wallet. We get a bit tight about these things, don't we? We worry about them. Look, If that's you, relax. Uh, No one is asking for what you can't give. But I remember reading, I think it was a Scottish minister from history who said this, Jesus Christ is gloriously happy in being generous. Isn't that a lovely thought? Jesus Christ is gloriously happy in being generous. And the following comment was, when he asks you to be generous, it's not your money or your time he really wants, it's your happiness. It's your joy in him. We want to be a church that matures in activities like that. I don't know, if you're part of this congregation here, if you're part of this church family, have you thought about asking? You, you could say to Rob, is, it, is there any way I could serve? Is there anything else I could give my time to? Is there any help that's needed? I want to keep growing as a Christian. Is there any way I can help with that? I'm going to stop there. Let's have a moment of quiet and then I'll pray for us and then I'm going to hand back over to Rob. Thank you. And for what the Bible tells us from before we were born until after the day we die and on into eternity, you love us and you care about us, and through Jesus, you've called us into your family, and you want your children to grow, to keep maturing. Please help us with that. Help us not to live in a made-up world, just inventing things, but please would you help us to keep living by faith, not by sight, to trust your word, and help us to keep asking ourselves, how can we live in a way that pleases you? We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.